And welcome to Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com. He is Paul Dantino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes. So glad you could spend part of your day with us. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. You can also hit us up on Twitter using hashtag GiantsChat. And a reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. All right, we're going to get you set for the Giants-Redskins matchup. But let's obviously start first with the injury news and Daniel Jones, Paul, now second straight day in which he's taken part in a full practice. So I think it's extremely encouraging and I would say it's safe to say all signs are pointing to the fact that he will reclaim his starting job this weekend. The arrow is clearly pointing up and this is also the second straight day that he has stayed after practice to throw additional times uh, with the coaching staff to allow them to get an even better gauge as to how far he can push it and how he's doing. And what I notice is uh, he's making sure what he does is drop backs and his throws after practice that uh, he's throwing specifically a lot of long balls because they want to make sure that he can get the proper plant and push to extend himself so that the deep ball is also part of his repertoire because the last thing you want to do is go oh, into the game and then all of a sudden the Redskins realize, oh, you know, he can't make those throws. So they're just confirming that he can make all the throws, including the deep ones, and to this point, everything looks okay. And it was encouraging even, Paul, if you go back to late last week, because he shed the boot. He was already a limited participant in practice. Correct. So, you know, this to me was just the natural progression as he inches closer and closer to getting ready for a game. I agree. And so... Uh, if that is the case, then the Giants will uh, have their offense restored after Eli Manning had played the last two games. Uh, Red Ellison uh, is uh, limited, but Coach did say he's made dramatic improvement, and there is some hope that he could get cleared from concussion protocol in time to face the Redskins on Sunday. Kevin Zeitler has been nursing a badly sprained ankle. He was on crutches last week. Well, guess what? He practiced not only limited yesterday, but did more than Coach Shermer said they thought he could do. And he was out there again today. You talk about an absolute tough guy. He's a pit bull is what he is. And so, you know, he wants to get back on the field in the worst way. And, you know, I wouldn't put it past him. I really wouldn't to play Sunday. Neither would I. He is just an absolute monster. So uh, very determined, very determined to play. I Look, he just loves competition, and I think he just loves the punishment. <laughs> I think that's a fair assumption. Well, plus, Paul, he went 85 consecutive games without missing a start. So yeah. when you do that, I guarantee you there were some things he had to fight his way through no in question. order to get it back on the field. So uh, in addition to him, the other guy who was not practicing today, Antoine Mathay, uh, wife had a baby yesterday, and so he was given a two-day excuse. Uh, they do expect him to be back tomorrow. Yeah, so all encouraging signs for the most part in terms of the team's outlook heading into this game. Now, as far as the opponent goes, Paul, this is a Redskins team that is very different from the one that they faced back in week four. And really, the reason why it's so different is there's been a lot of changes in personnel. Dwayne Haskins made his NFL debut against the Giants, but it's really unfair to take so much away from that game because, Paul, it was baptism by fire. Sure. I mean, he was immediately thrown into the mix. Since then, he's actually started games and prepared to be the starter. That's one main change, but I think, to me, it goes a step further, Paul. You're talking about they just put Brandon Sheriff, 
their Pro Bowl guard on injured reserve. Now, he coincidentally did not play the first matchup against the Giants, so Mm -hmm. maybe you could say that that's not that much of a difference, but it's across the board. Both tight ends, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are on IR. Paul Richardson, one of their top wide receivers. Ryan Kerrigan is now done for the season. They have gone through a number of different layers of their depth chart as a result of all the guys that have been so banged up this season. It is a very, very badly wounded team, as you mentioned, as they limp toward the finish line. But much like the Giants, they're looking to turn the page with a franchise quarterback and doing everything they can to advance his development. And if you want to look at an example of this, look at last week's game against Philadelphia, which was Haskins' statistically best game of the season. It was also the first time this year that he has played a game and not gotten sacked. Which is impressive considering he's against the Philadelphia front, which is not too shabby. He's statistically even having a solid season. So, yeah, I think that's a huge takeaway for an offensive line that has had to, you know, move around some parts for them to keep him protected. I will say this, though, Paul, and I'm wholeheartedly in agreement with you. I was listening to Bill Callahan speak to the media over the last few days, and one of the things he said was they knew their offensive line couldn't handle Philadelphia's front, so the game plan going in was no doubt. slant routes, Haskins, two-step drops, get rid of the football, and live to see another day, not give them even an opportunity to chip away at the quarterback. We should probably throw in the fact that Adrian Peterson has rushed for over 700 yards and is averaging over four yards a carry, even at the advanced age of 86. <laughs> guy just keeps getting the job done yeah it's amazing plus the reason why they've had to lean on him is Darius Geis is another guy that's now back on IR and he was banged up all of last year because of a torn ACL so you know they really have not had any luck and we're not laying that out to your point to feel sorry for the Redskins listen there are a lot of teams Paul that have been in that department the Giants have lost plenty of personnel too is you know Evan Ingram was placed on IR earlier this week so he's done for the season it's just a matter of The teams that overcome these injuries, the teams that have good depth, are clearly the ones that make it through the season and have an opportunity to compete. And Philadelphia, remember, was in that position a few seasons ago when they won the Super Bowl, Paul. How many guys did they lose yet? They didn't make excuses. They went out. They won football games. You know, for those of you out there who don't think the Giants have much to gain from this game, I would submit this line of thought to you. The Giants are a young team who are playing an awful lot of guys who are still trying to experience the joy of winning. They finally ended a nine-game losing streak last week against Miami. Well, you know, what is the next step after you win a game? It's to win back-to-back games and start building. As, As a coach one time said to me many years ago, it's not a streak until you put three in a row together. You got one, you got back to back, then you got a streak once you get to three. The Giants actually have an opportunity for these young guys to put together a streak, which, by the way, when they won their earlier two games this year, it was back-to-back, and that was it. They have not won a streak yet. They have not had a winning streak, which is a minimum of three wins in a row. I do believe there is a lot psychologically to be gained for these guys if they can go out there, and again, they're playing a team that they clearly should be able to beat. So you know what? Go do it. Just go do it. Play clean, sound, smart football and just methodically beat a team you're supposed to beat. There's value in that. You can digest that, Lance. Well, listen, look at what they did last week, Paul, against the Dolphins, right? They took advantage of another team that was banged up. But that's once. Correct. Don't let that be a flash in the pan. Yeah. Right? 
No, 100%. This is an opportunity for them to stockpile wins against teams that they should beat. And that's what a big part of the NFL is. You could talk all about the challenges. The good teams take care of business against the teams they're supposed to beat. And the Giants have not been able to capitalize. That's been one of the biggest storylines this season. So here's now a second straight opponent with three victories, also hurting, also has had its fair share of ups and downs. Can now the Giants take advantage of that? Plus, they're going up against a young rookie quarterback. So, you know, there's a lot of attractiveness in this matchup. Now, as far as what you were alluding to, Paul, in terms of the draft positioning, because, you know, coincidentally, the Dolphins are playing the Bengals this week, and everybody's been no, focusing on I'm, that I'm, game. I'm not alluding game. to draft position at all because that's not relevant to me. Well, I'm just bringing it up because it's relevant to at least the outside. Oh, the people who think that they don't gain a lot by winning. Correct, exactly. That's where I was headed. Now, you can talk all about that until you're blue in the face. The bottom line is there is no player on this roster right now that is in any position worrying about the draft stock of the Giants in 2020. I can Mm -hmm. guarantee you that because, first of all, there's a lot of guys that are not guaranteed to be on this roster next season. So why would it be of any concern of theirs? Secondly, there's other players that, who knows, things change. Rosters are fluid, Paul, and their main goal is to put as much positive tape out there as humanly possible from an individual standpoint. And, of course, if the Giants should beat a very gimpy and injured Redskins team on Sunday, then in the finale, the Philadelphia Eagles come here in a game that may, in fact, mean the, the playoffs for Philadelphia. Yeah. And you know what? They, they tell you sometimes the only lollipop you can have at the end of the season is being the spoiler. And, you know, I, I have to tell you, against a team like the Eagles, which does have a lot of talent, a lot to play for. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the truth is, yeah, there is some motivation here. You go and you beat the Redskins, you get that second win in a row, you start to build a little on something, and then you go and you beat a favorite Eagles team that may have a playoff spot on the line, and now you go into the offseason. Every one of those young guys goes in saying, hey, you know what? We showed something. Yeah, you know, season was bad. Season was not what we wanted it to be. It was difficult. We had to scuffle through it. But at the end, I did some really good things, and I see us coming together as a team. And I really do believe that that psychology can be of some value. Well, I think the psychology is important, Paul, from an individual basis. Because no question. I- I'm not a huge believer, and I'm not saying that this no, is what you were laying teams out. Teams don't carry over. Correct. That's where I was But headed. there are young players on this team who could Absolutely. use that extra boost of confidence. Yeah, especially the young guys, the rookies, who it's been you know a lot on their plate in a very short period of time. So you, know, you want to see progress out of Julian Love. You want to see him continue to take steps forward where he builds his confidence into next season. And the same thing with this secondary because, you know, right now with Janoris Jenkins out of the picture and Antoine Bethea's not dealing with an injury, so his status I don't think is up in the air for Sunday's game. But, you know, all everybody on the back end, Paul, are, are well, one first-year, two-year players we're talking about here. Think of it this way. Every single one of the Giants rookies who has played a healthy amount of games this year has played better in the last month than they did the first month of the season, which is exactly what you're looking for. And... To further my point about winning games, if the Giants are going to win these last two games, it's it's primarily because a lot of these young guys will continue to play better. If any of them takes a backward step, that would be disappointing. 
So, no, you don't want the Giants to lose these games. You want them to win. And you want every single one of these young guys, Baker and Beal and Ballantyne and Dexter Lawrence and Zimenez, who has a sack in each of the last two games, and Daniel Jones and and Slayton to continue to produce. Every one of these guys, you want to be able to say over these final two games of the season that they positively, absolutely, 150% played better in these last two games than they did a month and a half ago. Yeah, and then the onus is on them in the offseason to continue to work hard and get set for OTAs and so forth so that it translates to the field and it's not just chatter. Because yeah. sometimes it's, hey, he had a good stretch final four games of the season, and then that's the end of it. You don't see it carry over. So the hard work has to continue even when the regular season is not going on. But those, to me, are certainly some of the short-term goals for the Giants as they look to finish up the season on a strong note in the final two games of the season. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. A reminder, Big Blue Kickoff Live brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 90464 for more details. All right, let's open up the phone lines as we move forward here on Thursday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Carlos is in Astoria. He gets us going. What's happening, Carlos? Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, I've got a question and a, a quick comment. I'm going to make ask you the question first. Um, Nick Gates, I think most pundits would say he's played well in his limited opportunities. Um, so with that in mind, if, if Zeitler is back on Sunday... Uh, and Remmers being on a one-year deal, any chance you think that they would give Gates to start at right tackle? No. No, Gates right, Gates right now is thought of primarily as a guard who could fill in, if necessary, at tackle. And, of course, he's also the third-string center behind Pulley. That is where his place is on the depth chart at this point. Now, during the offseason, uh, if they want to fuss with him and decide that they can give him some more tutelage at one of the other positions, well, that's fine. And then they've got to figure out where he fits into the puzzle opening day of 2020. But as it stands right now, no, he, he's going to be an emergency tackle. And I, and I understand that because I have looked at tape on Gates. I've talked to Nick many times over. And even though he was a tackle at Nebraska, okay, the speed and quickness of the outside edge rushers in this game don't bow well for his foot speed off the edge. And so he is much better suited in a phone booth on the interior of the line. And I think he could be a really good starter. And I've said that since day one when he got here. So I'm not jumping on any bandwagons here like some of the other people are. I've been with him since day one. He's going to be a really good NFL guard and maybe, in fact, wind up being a center. Although it's 6'5", it's hard to imagine him being a center. because well, an insurance policy, though, helps. But well, As an insurance policy, yeah. yes. But to be a starter, I think he's going to be a starting guard in this league at some point. Because centers at 6'5 have trouble with leverage. And against the big 330, 340, 350 uh, defensive tackles who play in 3'4s especially, that becomes a problem. Because those guys have the mass and they have the lower leverage to get under your pads. So it gives centers like Gates, who are tall, a tremendous amount of problems. So my guess is he is going to wind up being a starting guard in this league. And you know what? Maybe it takes a year or two before he gets an opportunity because we think that Zeitler certainly has a lot of mileage left on his tires. And obviously Hernandez is only in his second season. Yeah. Well, plus he's also said that he's a lot more comfortable at guard than tackle 
when he has talked to the media at times this season. So I, I think that's where he's found his comfort zone, and I would agree. I, I don't think they're going to throw him out at tackle, but you need on every team, you need a player because you can only keep so many offensive linemen. You can only dress so many offensive linemen, Paul. You need somebody like Nick Gates who could play all five positions so that in a pinch... You can move him around if, God forbid, you suffer an injury during a game. It's amazing. tremendous value for somebody He is David Deal plus one because Deal played four positions, never played center. Well, Gates has the ability to play some center. So he's David Deal plus one. Yeah, it's interesting because David Deal was on the other day. He kind of said the same thing you guys did, that they think he's more suited to play guard. Um, My my comment was, you guys kind of just said it yourself, that the wins don't carry over. Um, or, or to the next season as a team, maybe with the individuals. I don't. All fans of the Redskins and fans of the Giants all want to lose this game. I don't see how you guys don't see that it's better for the Giants to have a chance to draft an elite pass rusher than to win a few meaningless games in front of like twenty-five thousand fans. These are like preseason games almost. Their practices, the results do not matter. They not for those players. Not for those players. Not for those players. Logically speaking, it may be for you. Yeah. It may be for you, but it's not for those players, and they're the guys who are putting their blood, sweat, and guts on the line. You're not. You're not the one on the field. I don't think it's better to to lose. I don't see how you don't see that. Well, for you as a fan, if you really want to feel that way, you're entitled to. You're allowed the opinion. You're allowed to have but, an opinion, no matter how. I don't see how you disagree with the logic. Because I come at it from a coach's and GM's and player's point of view. That's but always going to be the way I come GM. from it. It's always going to be the way I look at it. I but look at it from the inside. I've been doing player. this for 37 years. I look at it from the inside. I don't look at it from the outside. Never I'll have. In his heart of hearts. I guarantee you Dave Gettleman would rather have the number two pick than the number three pick. All right. Have a great day. I mean, listen, we haven't had any conversations with Carlos, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I've always been of the belief, once again, it's not where you pick, it's what you do with the pick. And here's the other thing. There's no guarantees when it comes to the NFL draft, Paul. So, you know, the Giants could get their selection. They could make a trade. They can move down. Of course. Who knows what's going to happen? Of course. So, you know, for us to sit here and say there's value in having two versus three, yeah, I get it. I'm not going to deny the value of Chase Young, but do we know for a fact that the Giants are going to stay in their spot regardless of where they finish? We just don't know. As long as we're going hypothetical here. Let's talk about some other possibilities. Maybe they get a pass rusher in free agency, and they don't need to draft a pass rusher because they get a stud in free agency. Or, oh, maybe, oh, well, Chase Young the other day hinted he might stay. Well, I know it's a long shot. Yeah, I think that's a very long shot. But what if he does stay? Listen, anything's possible. You're entering, whenever the season ends, Paul, you're entering the land of the unknown. There are no guarantees when it comes to the draft. Even there are no guarantees in terms of drafting Chase Young and knowing what's going to become of him. That's true, too. Okay, we, we don't know that. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. He's a fantastic college pass rusher. He led the nation in sacks this year. So there's no doubt about his potential. But there are no guarantees. So to make yourself crazy, whether you're an executive, Paul, you're a player, you're a fan, and doing all of these mathematical equations, to me, it's not worth it. But I'm coming from the player's view, and I think you would echo my sentiments, Paul. Any fan who wants them to lose is entitled to their opinion. But there is no player, no player you'll find on the 53-man roster in the practice squad that is going to tell you that they've been directed to want to lose this game entering Sunday, that they on an individual basis want to lose this game, or that they have no motivation whatsoever to go out there and play hard. You will not find any individual that will tell you any of those three factors. Let's not forget, it's those players and those coaches who will put endless hours of blood, sweat, and tears 
into every single game that they prepare for. How, how in the world can you justify a guy putting that kind of, of pain and agony of his body on the line to go out on that football field and basically do battle because it is a battle and then say to him, oh, it's better if you lose. <laughs> you know, if, if, you, if you went through what they go through every week to prepare, especially when it comes to December, when, as Charles, uh, not Charles Barkley, Saquon Barkley, oh, wow. really Saquon Barkley says that nobody's 100%, and we've heard that a yep. billion times, right? How do you tell those guys, oh, it's better if you lose? I mean, you know, the, the, the caller clearly sees it the other way, and he's entitled to, he's allowed to, but there's no way that anybody who talks to these players can look them in the eye and feel that way. Well, and even to go back to the second overall pick when the Giants took Saquon Barkley, you know, that year, you didn't even know where the Giants were going to go. Remember, there was a lot of speculation about the debate for the quarterback versus the running back, Paul? So, you know, for those who at that time were enamored with Saquon Barkley and wanted Saquon Barkley, you didn't even know if the Giants were going to take Saquon Barkley. There was no guarantee that they were going to get after Barkley. They could have went in a different direction that year. So it's the same thing I'm arguing this year. Even if they do wind up with the second overall pick, you still don't know with 100% certainty what exactly is going to happen. They could move out of that pick. They could go in a different direction. You just don't know. I will tell you this. You hear people talk about Chase Young. It's it's almost like you're right. Uh, they're, they're thinking he's a guaranteed 100% lock, all pro, whatever else. But, but you know, I, I don't hear anybody talking about him as a gold jacket guy, if you will. There have been some drafts where you'll hear the top two or three guys, people are talking about gold jacket guys. Okay, Barkley, Quentin Nelson, certainly off to a great start in his career. Looks like yeah. he certainly could be one, right? I don't hear anybody talking about Chase Young in those terms. No. They say he's the most dominant, best pass rusher in the draft. But is anybody talking about, wow, this guy could truly be an all-time great? I don't hear that. Well, I mean, once again, I haven't necessarily delved deeply into my draft preparation. So uh, to say that nobody is thinking that way, I wouldn't say that with 100% certainty. But your point is well taken, Paul, that I don't think there are any guarantees, as I've said, with None. any player. I think there's a great deal of upside for him. But to think that they have to get him the Giants because that's the only hope to turn things around, I think would be getting a little bit too far ahead sure. of ourselves. Remember, you know, off the top of my head, Texans got Jadevian Clowney. Right, and Clowney was hyped that year, Paul. As, a terrific player when right? he's healthy. When, when healthy, no, no. But so my point is, and, and this is not wishing any ill will on any future prospect, but you don't know how a player is going to pan out. So to sure. sit here once again and get all caught up on the value of finishing two versus another spot because you know for a fact that this player is going to change things, I think once again, unless you got a crystal ball, it's hard to go in that direction. Let's head back to the phone lines. Frank is in New Jersey. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Frank? Hey, what's up, guys? How are you today? Hello, good, Frank. What's happening? What do you got? Good, good. Uh, just real quick, I know uh, a lot of people won't agree with me on this, but I've always been a proponent of uh, our season will be 2021 championship goal. That's that's what I look at it. Uh, I want to save the coaches. I want them to uh, finish what they started. I think I counted 21 players under 25 that actually started for us this year. I mean, I've got fourth, fifth, and sixth round uh, draft choices that are, are, are starters in critical positions. So I want these guys to finish what they started. What do you think? 
Oh, I don't think that's a bad plan at all. Remember, you know, this is phase two of what, what I've often said by listening to uh, Dave Gettleman, and he's never actually put a label on this, but as I understand it, it's been a three-phase plan. Phase three comes this offseason when the Giants acquire another significant amount of players, maybe a half a dozen or so, who they believe are going to be mainstays in the lineup. That is supposed to be the step, the next step, to making the Giants a bona fide playoff team. And from there, well, then you're telling me the next step after that, step four or phase four, if you will, is to go win the Lombardi. Okay, fine. I, I won't argue with you. Okay, yeah, and it, it, to me it just makes sense. I mean, you're going to bring in 11 new players, approximately, ballpark, into the mix next year. Things take time when you tear it down. I don't understand all the hate going on. That's all I can. I just can't put my finger on it. Well, I, let me let me just say this to you, my friend, and I mean this wholeheartedly. It, it's really like when you go into an old house. Let's say you're you're going to uh, you know buy an old house that needs to be renovated before you move into it. Well, you got to get all the old paint scraped off the wall first before you spackle, and then you put the new paint on, and then you put the molding on, then you put the furniture in, and now you can move in. Well, Dave Gettleman had a lot of paint to scrape off when he got here. And I think a lot of people forget that. It's the dirtiest, ugliest part of the job, the one that nobody wants to do, but one that's got to be done. You got to build the foundation. That's what you have to do. And, you know, interestingly, as a form of comparison, not to get ahead of ourselves in terms of speculation for the Giants, who knows what's going to happen this offseason, but the Lions announced the other day, Paul, that they are going to be bringing back their general manager and their head coach, Matt Patricia, mm -hmm. and the Lions have not had a winning season in each of the first two years of those two guys together. But, you know, their response is consistency, continuity, let's see what happens in year three, another draft class, another form of free agency, and hopefully that will yield positive results. And, you know, I'm a proponent of the teams that avoid the merry-go-round are the teams that put themselves in a better position for success. And the Lions are one of those teams that has subscribed to the merry-go-round because they've had eight coaches since 2000. Mm -hmm. The Steelers, in comparison, have had three since 1969. I rest my case. There's a reason why Pittsburgh has operated one way and Detroit has operated another sure. way. You don't want to go down the road of the former as opposed to the latter. So, you know, you have to look at it through that lens. And, uh, Frank, we appreciate the phone call. Thank you. Thanks so much for uh, Guys, waiting. can I just follow yeah. up on one thing? Sure, real quick. Yeah, I think the part of the problem was uh, Mr. Gettleman's first six months there. He tried to, I think this is what he did, he tried to rejuvenate an Eli Manning with a nice uh, running back, some vet pieces, and it just didn't work out. Okay, guess what? You move on, and you tear it down, and then now let's go for the gusto. Okay, well, it's 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 going to be a what big offseason. I think it's fair to say that this offseason is going to be extremely important for the Giants to go to the next level. Yeah, and I think it's going to be important Thank you, Frank. to bring in another draft class and get guys in the fifth round like Adarius Slade and Paul who can contribute. You know, that's the biggest difference, too. Remember, how many years did we talk about where there were draft classes where, you know, you didn't get much substance at all, well, specifically in the middle rounds. I would only say this, Lance. If the Giants need, as, as I have surveyed, five or six players who are going to be heavy rotation guys and important pieces to the puzzle, if three of them are in the draft and two of them are free agents, that's fine too. They don't have to get them all in the draft. I think there are five or six players away from being a legitimate playoff 
uh, conversation team. I really believe that with the continued development of the young guys that they have right now. They don't all have to come in the draft. And we know that the Giants, because of their salary cap situation, they were set up for the offseason going into 2020 to make whatever significant bold moves they needed to make to get them into that range. Well, because of the salary cap space that has been created. Correct. But I would say and that this, was all part of the phases that Gettleman was trying to implement. But it's still an asset, and also to maintain a healthy cap is to invest a lot in guys on rookie contracts because then have, you don't have to worry about which you know, nobody says you got to spend it and, he, and he doesn't really have to do that because you've got so many second year and younger players for another season of when course. he starts having to worry about re-upping guys well i mean look at the secondary right now as i mentioned earlier uh, who are you paying it's a beautiful thing uh, jabril peppers is also on a rookie contract people forget too mm-hmm. so yeah you don't have that much money that you need to throw at an entire facet of your defense so yeah that's extremely encouraging but i still feel stockpiling draft picks who contribute. I'm not talking about starters. I'm talking about, you know, guys that come in, can get valuable snaps, Paul, and and build depth. And if you could do that through the draft, then, hey, that's more money that you can put into the stars that you want to go after if you need to up your offer here or there. So that's why, to me, you know, continuing to get those third, fourth, fifth-round guys to contribute uh, could bode well for the Giants moving forward. Let's head back to the lines. Al is in Virginia. Al, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? How we doing, Al? Hey, how you doing? Well, Hello, doing very well. Hi. Good. Long time listener, first time call. Originally Thank you. From Brooklyn, New York. Very nice. Awesome. Uh, Thanks for calling in. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, pretty optimistic about uh, next year. Looking for Dane Jones throw four touchdowns and Saquon Barkley running for 130 yards this Sunday at uh, FedEx. I'll be there at the game. Okay. Uh, hopefully, Paul will be there. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal, good deal. I'll be at the 50-yard line. Um, as far as, you know, going into next season, uh, you know, we got a great you know, great quarterback, Dane Jones. Hate to see Eli go. Um, I'm glad he got the W and went out, you know, with glory respect that he deserved. Um, we do have a young team, but let's continue on building and get a W on Sunday, huh? I think that's the goal of the organization, the goal of the team, Al. So I think if you asked anybody, they would echo your sentiments and appreciate the phone call. And I guarantee you Paul will be running up and down the sidelines. So if you're at the 50, you'll uh, be guaranteed to catch some glimpse of Paul Dettino at some point on Sunday. Appreciate the call. Healthy attitude. And uh, thanks for speaking up. Well, speaking of Brooklyn, since Al said he is a... Brooklynite at heart, which is always good to hear. I could certainly relate to that. Mike is in Brooklyn, and he joins us right now on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Mike? Hello, Mike. Lance, Paul, how are you guys? We're doing very, very nice well, Mike. to talk to you. What's on your mind? Uh, um, you know, I am very upbeat about this uh, this team next year. I, I really think we're set up nice. And I can't understand, if you're a fan, how you can – uh, say it, it's better to throw these games. I mean, that's it, when Gettleman first came in. The whole thing was changing the culture, you know. And he's got a quality locker room with a lot of good, good, good people in it. And you know, if it was just one, you know, I couldn't even see it if it was just, if we were just one player away. But we have a lot of holes to fill. Uh, I can see us trading down to acquire more picks. Uh, I'm not really concerned about it. I just want to win. I want to beat Washington again and sweep them, and I would love to you know, spoil any chances Philly has of uh, making it to the playoffs. 
Um, but players are not going to quit. They're, this is the last two games. It, the last chance for them to put something good on film. It's an audition for some players that uh, you know aren't going to aren't going to be on this team, but hopefully will be playing in the NFL next year. And they and they get it. I mean, I never met a, a successful uh, athlete that. Uh, that wanted to wanted would go on a field with the thought of hey what can I do to lose this game? Well, they don't you belong know? in the NFL, Mike. If that's their philosophy, you certainly don't want them on their team. I mean, I wouldn't want to play with a guy whether the game is meaningless or meaningful. I mean, why would you want to be lining up next to that guy and putting your body on the line if he has no interest in taking part in the game? So I, no I mean, that, that yeah. that's one of the reasons no why I don't buy anyone who believes that you can sell a player or sell a team from a front office down in the value of losing a game. I, I just don't envision that happening at any point. You know, you can have an individual here or there that may not be fully motivated. I'll give you that. But right. good luck trying to tell me that there are front office executives around the league convincing 53 guys, 46 to be exact, because seven can't be active, to go out there and lose a game and do everything in their power to lose it, as well as a coaching staff. It's just not happening. I mean, yeah, we just endured a nine-game losing yeah. streak. I mean, that should say it right in a nutshell. I mean, you want, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in the mood to lose any games for a long time, let alone a nine-game losing streak tying uh, a, a, a franchise record. Mike, do you but, have tickets? Uh, any, do, do you come okay. to the games? Are you a season ticket holder? I'm sorry? Do, uh, do you come to the games? Uh, no, I live in Florida, Paul. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I was the, I, I watched them when they came down a few years ago. I went to see him um, play uh, the Dolphins, and I, I've seen a, a game against Jacksonville. Well, let too. me ask but you. Whenever, let me just ask you something. Here, I, I make the, you know. Yeah, the reason I ask you is because you can explain it to all the folks who don't see it your way. When you purchase a ticket, and you have obviously gone to some games, and you yes. spend your money, and you take the time and the effort to go to the stadium to see your team play. Do you not walk away from that game at the end of the afternoon feeling better after your team wins than if your team loses? Is that not a fact? Oh, without a doubt. And and, and, and flip it. If they lose, my wife will know by, by the look on my face. The Giants she'll, she'll say they lost again. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, you know, you know, I, I take you know, it, it gets to me for a little while. I, you know, you you let it, you flush it, and then you get on. But um, you know, who? Yeah, you're right. On the, the drive home, I mean, I can imagine the players on the flight home, especially uh, if they're flying from Cal, uh, Ca you know, California. Yeah, cross country. To endure that, jeez. Nobody wants to feel that. Appreciate the time, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Thank you so much for calling us and uh, very, very uh, sound and logical comments. Be well. Enjoy hey, your thanks. holiday. Thank you, guys. All right, Mike. Take care. Appreciate the call. Let's uh, move along on the lines. Jose is in, speaking of Florida, Orlando. Jose, welcome to the Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? <clears throat> hey, Lance and Paul. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. How are you guys doing? Hello. Doing We're right. well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Just listening to all this conversation, and it's good conversation regardless. Now, and I'm trying to look at both ends because I'm always looking at both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Now, as a, a guy that used to play, even when you're having a bad season, you don't lose. You don't want to lose. You play to win the game because you're not going to go out there and risk getting hurt for an L. That's one thing I completely agree with you guys. Another thing that people are saying things about uh, this defensive end, Chase Young, and you know, there's no guarantees that he's going to be good. 
And like you guys alluded to, like with Saquon Barkley, where everybody was pushing for him, and we weren't sure we were going to get a quarterback. Now, I was, I was big on Saquon Barkley. I, I preferred him over the analytics that said you don't take a running back that high because I felt in my heart of hearts that he was a great player. Right. And I still think he's going to be so. And even Dave Gettleman said it. He said I, as soon as he was there on the board, we, we had to wait the time because they didn't want us to turn in the car to fast. But he basically said, that's my guy. That's sure. who I want. Now, going back to Chase Young, you guys are absolutely right. There's no guarantees. But I'm looking at it this way. If we have an opportunity to get him or the tackle from left, uh, the tackle from Georgia, what's Thomas, his name? Thomas, yeah, both of those guys to me are a win-win because if we do have an opportunity to select either one of those guys, mm-hmm. they're automatically going to make our defensive or offensive lines better. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's a great opportunity. Now, I'm going to be rooting for my Giants to win. I could even as even with all that at stake, I can't root against them to lose. Now, if they would lose, I would be heartbroken. But I'd be like, you know what? If we get the opportunity to, to build on our team to get better, then that's fine. But I honestly do believe that Chase Young is going to be one of those guys. I mean, I know that he uh, might be. Todd McShay. Go ahead. Yeah, no, he, he might yeah. be. I, I, look, I'm, I want to make this very clear because I think in the last couple of weeks on this program, people are getting all bent out of shape because I haven't automatically bought 150% in that Chase Young is, should be the pick and that he's going to be a superstar and he's going to be the answer to all the ills that the Giants have. I just, I just say, hold on, put the brakes on it. And let's yeah. be, let's do due diligence. Let's understand the complete scope and the complete picture. And there's always the possibility that maybe it's not the cure-all to the Giants' ills. I simply want to take it easy. Hold your horses. Don't go 90 miles right. an hour after this player. Let's cruise at 55 and see what happens. You know. I, so let me just make I'll that be, very clear. Yeah, I'll be happy with either one of those guys, the left tackle, all the defensive, and Chase Young, because I honestly believe that our team will improve and I'm a buyer of that three-year plan that you talk about too all the time, P. Dot. I actually said when they first got Gettleman at Schumer, I was like, you know what? Or Shermer, I'm sorry. Yeah. I knew that it was going to take, I said, Giants 2021. 2020, maybe 2021 for sure. Mm-hmm. So no matter what happens, I'm still, no matter what happens in the offseason, who we get, who coaches, who's the GM, Giants in 2021 is when we're really going to do a serious push. Guys, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for listening, and go Giants. Well, thank you so much right, for Jose. dialing. Appreciate the call. If you pick number two overall, I mean, the goal is always that you're bringing in a player that's going to be impactful to the caller's point, Paul, whether it be an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman, you name it. I mean, those always have to be the expectations when you select that player. What we're saying is, though, even if you do your due diligence, you do all your homework, and everything gets a check mark next to the player, there's still are no guarantees that all of that is going to translate when the player makes the move from college to the pros. And we talk about how the draft isn't an exact science all the time. It may be a cliched line, but there's validity behind it. If there wasn't validity behind it, then you would basically claim that every single draft pick in the history of this league has panned out. And the last time I checked, Paul, that is certainly not the case, specifically (laughs) for the New York Giants. So that's more of a reason why, once again, we could sit here and debate the pros and cons of getting the number two pick versus number three. Unless you know with 100% certainty, to me, that's a wasteful exercise. We have months to discuss the draft. Absolutely. So rather than get into that now, simply put, yes, if the Giants are picking anywhere in the top five, which is what it looks like it's going to happen with two games to go. They better get a guy 
who is a starting caliber impact player, no matter what the position is, period. And as the caller just mentioned, they've got a few positions that could use that kind of player. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a reason why the Giants are in the position they are right now. It's certainly not just one position and one player. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter. Let's head back to the lines. Jake is in the Meadowlands. Jake, what's happening? Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hello? Yes. Hello. How we doing, Jake? Hi. How are you, fellas? Good to talk to you. What's on your mind? All right, so a few things. I haven't called in a while. You know how it's been this season. (laughs) It's okay. We're here for you. I always (laughs) love to talk with you about Lawrence Taylor, Paul. We can always do that. That's for sure. No doubt about that. Playing the game, this game is different than any game, especially when it comes to this. You're not going to, you know, even I, I want Chase Young very badly, too. Okay. Going through two a days, you know, Fiegel's will he'll, he'll know about this. Growing up in the Southwest, going through two a days, I mean, we didn't get paid. These guys get paid. This is their job. Nobody's going to go and, and lose games. As much as I, I want Chase Young, listen, it's whatever's going to happen is going to happen. These players but and coaches have believe, invested too I much believe to, to just throw games he, away. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, the players and coaches have invested too much in yes. what they do during the yes. week. It's easy for a fan to sit on his couch and say, I want my team to lose because I want better position. He can say that a heck of a lot easier because he's not the guy who's busting his butt every single day at practice, yeah. studying tape yeah. and, and hurting and icing himself and going yeah. into the whirlpool exactly. and getting and his ankles taped. And, yeah. and rehabbing. And I mean, and try going through that days. stuff. I mean, you guys don't have to go through that Exactly. Anymore, but. Go through that <laughs> stuff and then tell me it doesn't matter if you win or lose. But li- but listen, I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to do that regardless. I mean, we, like you guys and me, myself, I, I put in a lot. Like, I invest. As a fan, you know what I mean? I go to most of the games. I, I do a lot of that, too. But I don't ever want to say I want my team to lose. You know what I mean? I just I can't. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can't. But anyway, Chase Young, I think he is that impactful player, though. I mean, he could if you be. look at the numbers compared he could be. to I mean, Garrett, the guy's got 16 and a half sacks, Miller, Jake, so he's doing but, something you know, right. You're not guaranteed, though. You're, you, you guys are right. But I think coming out of college... You know, the way he uses his hands, his speed, his strength, 6'5", 265 pounds, I think he can only get better. And, you know, God forbid. John, let me put it to you this way. If the Giants draft Chase Young, I'm not going to sit here disappointed. It's going to make that line solidified. Okay? I'm not going to sit here disappointed. You're going to have Batman and Robin, like you were saying one time, Paul. Okay. I like Marcus Golden. I I love it. I wish every football player with a motor like him, man. He just... He goes and he goes. I, I like him. He does. All. Yeah, he does. Yeah. And he's had a very nice season as a result of that motor. Yeah, he's going to get 10. He'll, he'll get double digits. Well, you would hope but, that uh, in the final two games he'll at least get one sack. So, I mean, that's all he needs. Yeah. Well, he yeah, he, he's been doing that. You know, the last couple games it hasn't been like it was earlier in the season. But he's, he's averaging about a sack a game. So, you know, in the last, you know, in the middle part of the season. Mm-hmm. So maybe yeah. he'll get back to that and he'll get two more, three more. Who knows? But uh, anyway, I was I was also gonna say, uh, Paul. Do you know what happened on uh, October seventh, nineteen seventy nine? October seventh, seventy nine. Well, that's Phil Simms' rookie season. It's, uh, missed the first month of the year while Pizarczyk was starting. Didn't miss it. He was just on the bench. 
And then he came in and started four consecutive games and won four consecutive games until he got hurt. So does your question have something to do with Phil? He beat Tampa that day. That was his start. Well, there you go. And I was also yeah. And he only threw. You know, you know, you know, he only threw twelve passes that day. Billy Taylor ran. Billy Taylor ran for like 130 yards to shred the Buccaneers, and and yeah. Phil only threw like 12 passes the whole day. All right, yeah, Jay. My dad told me about that that day. He said, he he goes, I got my son, and he goes, I got I got a nice football game on TV. I saw it. Well, I'll tell you yeah. what, Phil made that pay off, didn't he? <laughs> yes, yes, he sure did. All right, Jake. So, uh, t- one thing, Lance, take it easy on Charlie with that one thing with the emotion. <laughs> I well, I I will never you know take what? it easy on Charlie, Jake. You you can't know about this. Lawrence Taylor played with emotion every second on the field. Yeah, but Jake you know I mean? Lawrence Taylor is also arguably the greatest football player that ever lived. So when you have and that a lot skill of set, that came in from yeah. emotion. Well, and I it think, also came you know because just, of skill set and drive. Says, you know, well, I, you better hope I don't get back in, or you know what I'm getting to. Thank you, Jake. All right, Jake. Appreciate, appreciate the mean? phone call. Thanks you so much for waiting. That's what made him so great. All right, Jake. Happy holidays. You got it. Thanks so much for uh, weighing in. Uh, 201-939-4513. I thought we were playing a game of uh, Stumped the Tino at the tail end. Uh, <laughs> who's going to call in next and ask us some random date about what happened? Joe is in Pennsylvania. Joe, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening? Hey, uh, I, I was just curious on your, your opinion there uh, with the Cowboys and the Eagles, if you would would like the uh, Eagles to win that game and uh uh, you know what I mean? What then the Giants would have to beat them to be the spoilers. But do you have an opinion on that there, you know? Well, we just went over the fact that they have uh, nothing to play for against the Redskins and they're going to be motivated to play. So honestly, I think it's irrelevant. I don't think it matters if the Cowboys or the Eagles win because whether Philly has something to play for or not, the goal still remains the same for this young roster. I mean, those guys are still going to go out, compete, and try to finish strong. I think that it may be a nice narrative and a nice Mm storyline to have an opportunity to perhaps be the team that deprives Philly an opportunity to win the division, but I don't really think that it changes the mindset for the Giants at all. Joe, I will tell you this. The Eagles have beaten the Giants 19 of the past 23 times okay so as far as I'm concerned if that's not motivation to try to beat the Eagles in two weeks I don't know what else is well I don't know that you need it's nice to and I brought up the spoiler thing before because it's certainly a nice added added bonus little icing on the cake but but in all reality you know these Giants have been hexed and and I know there are a lot of young guys and and Lord knows Sterling Shepard outside of Eli is the eldest Giants on uh, on this roster, Giant on the roster. But the bottom line is the Eagles Eagles have owned the Giants on the field now for a decade. So if they can beat them, that would be a really good thing for these young guys to experience to say, okay, you know what? It's time that that Eagles hex stops. This is the new generation of Giants, and we're going to turn that narrative around. Well, not to mention, they also, a few weeks ago, blew a 14-point lead to that team and had uh, probably one of the roughest second halves you'll see in football. Blew one last year, too. Yeah, well, but I'm talking about, you don't even have to go back to the archives, Paul. You're talking about a game that was you know, still recent in their mm-hmm. minds. I think that's all the more reason that you want to write the ship because so, all these young guys are on the field. Yeah, a lot game. of reasons for the yeah. Giants to want to beat Philly. So i I got to be honest with you, uh, Joe. Uh, the spoiler thing is good, and I did bring it up before, but it's only icing on the cake. 
Yeah, well, I I know, and I've been living through it here in. Uh, <laughs> no, you're in Pennsylvania, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. You know, I think I, uh, it ain't going to mean anything to beat the Eagles if they're out of it. That's what I'm saying. Well, but Joe, if you're uh, in Pennsylvania, I knock them out of it, yeah, but you know? Joe, if, if you're in Pennsylvania, I think that you'll be at ease if the Cowboys win this weekend. Then you know that you don't even have to think about anything for the remainder of the week. You know they're mathematically done. Yeah, yeah, but uh, okay, but I think it would be a little sweeter and a little better. I want to, I want to go against their team, you know, when it means something to beat them. Joe, I, if I it'll be the Redskins and the Eagles, I don't want to look at the. Well, it really doesn't matter to them. We're getting a better and, and draft. Joe, we're Joe, anyway. I get it. If it's That's more sweet, if it's it, more you know. sweet for you to be the spoiler, then more power to you. I will not say that you're wrong, and I won't criticize you for it. If that's what it takes to make that game more meaningful to you, that's fine. I think what Lance and I are trying to say is, from the Giants' perspective, that game is going to have equal meaning, and they're going to equally want to win that game regardless of what the Eagles' situation is. Yeah, but I mean, if they're playing all their practice squads and this and that, if they, you know what I mean, it it don't mean nothing to them. It, we've been painting here from the Eagles. That's what I mean. I'd like to dish a little back. Okay. So, uh, well, but but the truth is, Joe, and appreciate the phone call. Thanks so much thank for weighing in. You know, when Joe says they're playing their practice squad, first of all, this is a team that has lost already so much talent. They're down to Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside as their two starting wide receivers. So, Joe, I mean, whether they are whether they have something to play for or not, you could argue the Eagles are at the bottom of their depth chart at Indeed. prime positions already. So, once again, I, I mean, listen, Joe's entitled to his opinion. I get it. He's in the heart of battle because he's right in Pennsylvania. So I get it that this game maybe incites a little bit more emotion out of him than others. But from the team perspective, I don't think anything changes. Let's head back to the lines. Chris is in Houston. Chris, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Gentlemen, always good to talk to you. Happy Hello. holidays. You too. You. And appreciate the phone call. All right. Uh, I want to tell you my wish list for Santa in just a moment. But uh, <laughs> with, regards to, with regards to the draft, Way too early. We got to slow our roll. You know, since young, he broke uh, Vernon Golston's record. We all know what happened to Vernon Golston. So, oh my you goodness! Know, you me. know, thank you for bringing up that name because I think every Jets fan in the New York metropolitan area wants to get sick all over himself when he thinks about <laughs> Vernon Golston. Yeah. So you know, let's you know me personally, quality and quantity is important. So I wouldn't mind trading a draft pick, but we got a lot of time for that. My uh, my wish list. Here's what I think is going to happen. Um, listen, Pat Sherman, great guy. Just not cut out for this gig with the players, so I appreciate his efforts. My wish list would be Matt Rule. I would love to get you guys' opinion on that. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think Gettleman's going to get um, a reprieve, and I think Ron Rivera is going to be our coach, which I won't be upset about because I prefer a defensive-minded coach and get the right people in there to help Jones and the offense uh, along the way. But I wanted to get your input on, you know, do you think Matt Rule would be a real potential candidate given for what he's looking for from a control standpoint coupled with how the Giants typically operate? Well, interestingly, Chris, if memory serves me correct, I was reading the other day, I think Matt Rule was on Adam Schefter's podcast 
And on that podcast, one of the things that he mentioned was that, you know, he's very comfortable at Baylor right now, and he's built up a nice program, and it would take an unbelievable offer that would have to blow him away. But I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about the structure, to your point, the control, because of what reportedly happened when the Jets had shown some interest and perhaps he didn't have as much flexibility in picking his staff. But I also think the makeup of the team and the outlook of the team. So I think it would take an awful lot, both financially personnel-wise, to even get him to leave Baylor at this point. I don't know how much of an itch he would have. I I heard the same, uh, I read the same article in NJ.com. Think about this. He has to say this right now because National Signing Day is... is, uh, Well, of course. There's definitely part of that. Yeah, no doubt about it. I also don't know, you know, the other thing that I've heard whispers of, and I I don't know with 100% certainty if there's a buyout in his contract too, Chris, you got to take that into consideration. You know, with these college coaches, you have to then tell the school, we're going to pay you X amount of dollars to allow them out of their deal. That's something that you can't overlook too. And I'm not saying I know for a fact there is something involved, but usually college coaches do involve some type of a buyout. Yeah, there is a buyout. I, I've, I've been getting into wars with the people down here in the Houston area because there's a lot of Bell alum here. And, and I think it's around that five, six million dollar range on a buyout, which is pretty steep, if you ask me. Well, so, based on your, your, your feedback, that's, a, that's probably a long shot with rule. Would you say? I, I would say this. It really depends on, first of all, what the Giants do in assessing their situation after the season ends. You, you know, once again, just like we're getting ahead of the draft, I think we're also getting ahead right. of ourselves if we're starting to speculate about coaching candidates because who's to say the Giants are even going to be having an interest in another candidate? They may stay as is and, and may look to continue to tweak the roster. I wouldn't rule that out. I think, though, you have to always take into consideration if it costs money to buy out a current coach under contract, and then you have to pay that coach more money, and then you may be paying another coach to buy out his current contract because you parted ways with them, the money starts to add up, Chris. So you think you got to look at it that way. How much money do you want to invest in coaches before we even start talking about players and other facets of your team? I I agree with that. And, you know, my mother and father played a joke on me when I was five years old. They gave me coal for Christmas, incidentally. I actually found a way to enjoy it for a couple hours. But uh, if we're keeping Sharma, if we're keeping Sharma, wow. then I'm getting cool as a 48-year-old person. And that's things a little All right, Chris. Far. Well, okay. Uh, so happy holidays. I happy holidays to you. Guys, so. you appreciate too. the phone call. Thank you. Uh, I don't know if I've ever heard that somebody has practice in handling coal and accepting it as a gift. That uh, may be a unique perspective. There. Well, did he, like cut it down and find there was a diamond inside? Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't know if he did some experimentation, was it part of a science project, wow. but uh, okay. at least there's maybe some young hands-on experience that he has. So maybe that will prove to be beneficial down the road. Not that we wish that he gets coal in his stockings. Jonathan is in Westchester. He joins us here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's happening, Jonathan? Hey, how are you guys? Doing all right, Jonathan. What's on your mind? Uh, so I know most people aren't talking about training camp this time of year, but I actually had a thought about training camp uh so i know sometimes if the weather is uh iffy you know and fans show up they get turned away because uh the practice gets moved inside right wondering yeah wondering if it might be possible to have uh, a live feed uh in the stadium for the fans who showed up uh just so that you know they don't have to go home empty-handed well where would it- you where would you watch it I guess, words, Giants. I guess on Giants.com, I guess he's pointing oh, out. Oh, yeah. you mean, oh, he's talking okay. about running a live stream on the team's website. That's essentially what uh, I was throwing out there. Uh, so, 
you know, the fans would be able to go into the stadium under the overhang, maybe in the mezzanine. Oh, I don't and, know uh, that they'd be. Watch it on the, yeah, I don't know that they'd be prepared or logistically able to all of a sudden funnel the crowd to the stadium to watch it. I think that's... Oh, I didn't know he was going in that's that direction. What he's, that's okay. what he's talking yeah. about. I, I thought, Jonathan, you were just talking about this way you don't miss it, you're at home, and you could still enjoy the practice. Hey, maybe that too, if that, if that you think would be more feasible. I mean, that I think is more feasible if you want to go down well, that logistically, road. Logistically, maybe, but from yeah. a philosophical perspective, I don't know that any team has ever streamed their training camp practice. Correct. Well, that was going to be the next route that I went. I also, I'm not 100% certain in terms of NFL league rules and regulations about what can be shown don't know to a public setting. Jonathan, I don't want to speak out mm -hmm. of line. There may be some of those things that you'd have to circumvent and get around because that would really be entering territory that you know even other teams have not tapped into because there are restrictions when it comes to off-season activities yeah. in terms of you know what you can show physical activity and so forth and also you know there's a lot of teams in this day and age the last thing they want to do is have all of their practices under the microscope for other teams to watch okay because if yeah. you put a live stream Jonathan that means who's from stopping Everybody another can team it. can go to Giants.com and watch it I, I don't think any team in this day and age with the technology that is accessible and available would really be a fan of that so I think the more and more we talk it out, I think that's a very much of a long shot. However, I will tell you this, Jonathan. We are in negotiations with Paul Dottino. If it rains moving forward, he will put on a dog and pony show for all the fans that show up so they will not walk away empty-handed. I promise you that. That I can promise you. That's even better than the live feed. There you go. See? See? I, I, Jonathan's a big fan of my proposal, and we need to start a movement, Jonathan. I, I have a better idea, the Jonathan. Just blow away those rain clouds if you're coming out to a training camp practice. That would be even better. Thank well, you for the call. Yeah, Happy the holidays call. to you. you yeah. And it, listen, it, it's a fair question, but once again, the more and more you think about it, I think the last thing that the Giants will tell you is they want somebody from Dallas Cowboys, Eagles, or the Redskins tuning in to their training camp practice so they could take notes and trends in terms of personnel. That's a it's very, just, very fair comment. Yeah. Hey, before we sign off, Lance, can yes. I just take one moment here Absolutely. to just wish all the best to Tom Coughlin and his family. Uh, Tom Coughlin, relieved of his duties uh, as the, uh, I guess, president of Executive the Executive VP of Football Operations. Uh, last night, and anybody who who knows Tom Coughlin or has worked around or with Tom Coughlin has the utmost of respect for this man, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a tremendous human being, and a guy who obviously is going to go into the Hall of Fame whenever uh, uh, the ballots wind up getting counted five years down the road. Uh, I just want to say, uh, with all due, all due respect to whatever the Jaguars decided to do or why they decided to do it, I'm always going to be a Tom Coughlin fan. And I just want to throw my two cents out that I just hope for the best for Tom in whatever he decides to do, whether or not he continues in some aspect of the game of football or he decides to just retire. And I know he's got a home in Florida and he loves it down there and his wife certainly uh, enjoys the weather and he's got family down there. And his charity work too. And he's got a tremendous amount of charity work. So whatever it is that Tom Coughlin decides to do in the next stage of his life, I just wish him all the best because I can only say as a guy who got to know him very well over his time here with the Giants, he is aces. He is absolute aces. So I was very sorry to see when uh, I heard that the Jaguars had let him go. Well, specifically, you know, he also has had a great deal of history with that Jaguars organization. Remember, people forget, Tom Coughlin was their first ever coach in franchise history. He 
helped build that franchise up from the ground up. So, you know, those ties go way back to the uh, mid-90s. And, uh, yes, that was uh, one of the biggest storylines out of the NFL the other day. So many teams are going to have big decisions to make over the course of the offseason, including the Giants. And we will cover it all for you here on Giants.com. We appreciate everybody tuning in to the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience. Courtesy of Coors Light, text VIP to 90464 for more details. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday, and always stay locked to Giants.com. Have a good one.